How's it, everybody? Welcome back for another episode. You're here with me, Nick. And as always, I'm joined by my good buddy, Ronnie. Ronnie, how's it going down there in the low felt? Yeah, it's slow. How's it going there in the high felt? Yeah, no, it's it's lacquer here. You see, I got it right this time. I didn't call it the bush felt, eh? Yeah, it's not the bush felt. It's the low felt, for sure. From time to time, I do listen to you. Once or twice. So, good week. Did you watch a lot of rugby? What did you get up to this past week? Yeah, I watched a bit of rugby. Dealt with load shedding a bit. We do have solar here, but what happened was we had an extended outage out here on the farm. Electricity went down. We got so used to the solar that we didn't realize that we had an extended outage and depleted all the batteries. And, you know, before you knew it, we had absolutely nothing here. Yeah, and that's the stuff up if you, you don't have any sunshine either like if it's a stormy weekend or whatnot then it's a bit of a stuff oh that's exactly exactly the case we then when the sun did come up it was overcast and things didn't charge and here in out here in the sticks there's uh things are a bit slow to get fixed <laughs> anyways what did you do yeah i i had some swimming on this weekend so those that follow us on the socials would have that's prepping that's where the captain comes from eh? yeah that's where the, the captain comes from <laughs> and now that you say that i can actually see it fairly prominently on the video as well yeah because your forehead is so white <laughs> so yeah guys those of you that have seen i am swimming the eight mile to raise funds for cancer and cancer active they do research into cancer treatment supporting of families and stuff so if you guys can please please head over to our page and and hit the donate button if you can't please make sure you're going to donate some blood it's very, very needed. Blood stocks are very low and it helps a lot. You can save up to three lives. So please, guys, if you can, get out there and do that. And it takes 20 minutes. 20 Every minutes. Every 60 days, you can do it for 20 minutes. It's all you need. Exactly. Exactly. As Ronnie says. But Ronnie, I had a, maybe we can call it an adult revelation this weekend. So I'm sure everyone listening in okay. South Africa, at least, and you have heard Heli Khan from Continental Linens with his sateen sheets. Have you heard it? You know what I'm talking about, Ronald? Yeah, this Egyptian continent, it's a teensy sheet. So I always thought Helikon was just being a bit of a doer and saying satin wrong. And turns out there is actually something called a satin sheet. I had to buy new bedding this weekend and I found that out. Is that the satin different to satin? It is. Satin is a thing. It's S-A-T-E-E-N. So Helikon, he was onto some. Uh, okay, I, honestly, I didn't know that. I thought he was genuinely talking about satin. Yeah. <laughs> Well, there we go. Now, for everyone listening, if you did not know that either, drop us a message and let us know. Maybe we're not the only two that thought Satine was just satin. And then also exciting, Ronnie, I decided to book all my flights to the Bach Games. I haven't got tickets yet. They're not released. We will let you guys know on the socials when the tickets are released. But you're, you can save a lot of money booking tickets this far in advance, especially on the Cape Town. Joburg to Cape Town flight. So I got that out the way. That's been great. And very don't, don't listen to Nick, everyone. Don't listen to Nick, everyone. 40 days is the Goldilocks zone. Book 40 days before. Is that really true? 40 days. Flight economics. 40 days before the flight departs is when it's statistically at its cheapest. I'm going to have to check that, Ronnie. You know, I don't, I don't trust you too much. So, Ronnie, other good stuff this week. Two days from now, Full Contact, the Six Nations documentary is going to be releasing on Netflix. How excited are you for that? Yeah, very excited for Six Nations. I've been counting down the days I even had. It's one of those few things I've put in my calendar to warn me. And even better than that, Supersport today coming out and dropping the trailer for Chasing the Sun 2. Dwayne Thor for Merlin in tears right off the bat. What do you think we're in for there? Yeah, yeah, that's going to be epic. Chasing the Sun is one of the best documentaries I've seen in a very long time. Obviously, very biased here because I am a Springbok. But yeah, look, 
Kentucky Ford did. Yeah, I think it's going to be epic. But Ronnie, it's not going to be as epic as the fact that I am number 214th in the Challenge Cup and you have taken a fall from grace all the way down to 298. can barely see you down there, buddy. I'm really glad we're doing this now. We're actively every week checking our positions on the log. And this is fun. I'll take the hit this week. And yeah, I'm just glad that we're going to continue doing this. The best is this competition only resumes in April. So I'm going to hang this one over your head for quite a while and, and enjoy that. So, Ronnie, Hold on, you're winning the Challenge Cup, but we'll get to the Champions Cup in a moment. No, no, no. We're going to skip that part today. Too much to talk about in the Challenge Cup. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, there really is a lot to talk about though. How many games were on this weekend? It was unbelievable. So let's take a start. We had Gloucester 35-5 for Cast. That was a big victory for Gloucester. We'll talk a little bit later about a squad member that's departing. But yeah, Gloucester will be happy with that win. Then also Friday night game, we had Scarlet getting a loss at home, going down 31-19 to against Edinburgh. Scottish side continuing to, to get some wins there under the tutelage of Sean Everett. It's a little bit disappointing from Wales once again. Like We really need the Welsh teams to step it up. We really, really do. Yeah, then we had another game, Nicholas. We had Powell take on Zebra, and I'm sure somebody's going to complain and said I pronounced Powell wrong, but don't see how I can. Anyway, so Powell winning, coming out victorious with a single point win there, and that's unfortunately for Zebra, who missed the kick at the death there. And, and yeah, they lost that game by one point. You know, it put Powell through to the playoffs, and it put a bit of a question on whether Zebra were going to make it through to the playoffs, but ultimately both both teams did. I may need to be fact-checked on this, but the commentators in that game said that had Zebra won, it would have been their first ever win on French soil. So they came agonizingly close yeah. there. Well, yeah, there we go. That's it. it was, yeah, it was Zebra's to lose. Then, Ronnie, we had a fixture on this weekend, and I want to talk about this game a little bit more in its rugby sense than just about the scoreline here, but Black Lion, they were at home, they went down quite drastically 36 points to 3 against Clermont, but Ronnie, this is a team from Georgia. Firstly, great to see the Georgians getting some top-tier exposure. I think that's really, really lacquer. But can I blow your mind? Blow it. The top attendance in the Challenge Cup this weekend was at the Black Lions home stadium. And I'm talking by a country mile, Ronnie. So 17,233 people packed into the stadium to watch that game, right? Let's take someone like Newcastle, a team in the premiership. 3,000 people arrived for that game. You take somewhere in the middle of the table aside like Montpellier. They only had 7,123 fans through the door. Clermont is in second place and Sharks... 13,624. So they're getting the fans back now that they've got a few wins under the belt. But great to see the Black Lions in the competition. Yeah, Nick, I couldn't agree more with, with the Georgians. You know, we'll be deserving of top tier rugby. You know, more, more rugby that they play in Georgia, you know, the better they're going to get. And, you know, we've already we've said for many years that they're deserving of being in the Six Nations. So just giving them more exposure to some of these tournaments and it's only going to do them, do them well. And it's unfortunate that they did lose the game, but, you know, Maybe they can turn things around with future future matches. You know, and actually that's a point that can be made there that, yes, we're calling for their inclusion in the Six Nations competition, but maybe giving their club sides exposure is the actually the ideal pathway to creating the international exposure, you know, building up their structures rather than pulling them in at the top and then seeing them struggle to establish a base from there. Now, you could argue that Italy needs that as well because, you know, they... If their domestic teams just 
are not up to scratch, unfortunately. Yeah, that's very, very true, Ronnie. Then we go, well, speaking of Italy. <laughs> With that over, said. <laughs> we go over to Benetton at home. They got a 27 points to 19 win over Montpellier. Both sides had already qualified for the last 16 ahead of this game. But Montpellier had been undefeated up until that point and were top of the log. So quite surprising for me to see Benetton, who generally struggle in the URC, managing to top one of the French giants. Yeah, fantastic. So I obviously got that call wrong because I backed Montpellier. Didn't think Benetton had it in them. And, you know, maybe I dismissed them without actually paying attention. So well done on Benetton. And, you know, they had they had something to play for. They wanted to secure that home advantage. Yeah, and they did secure it. So great for Benetton getting a home playoff game. I'm sure they'll be very, very chuffed with that. Then, Ronnie, another one-pointer that makes difficult reading here because as South Africans, we're used to being on the other side of the one-pointers. Ayanax getting a 28 to 27 point win against the Cheetahs. It was a difficult game. You know, Cheetahs reduced to 14 men from just inside the first 20 minutes. Munir Hartzenberg getting a red card. Cheetahs discipline really starting to cause a problem. Two more yellows in that game, Dan- Daniel Sakende and Victor Sekakete. You know, it's hard to win a rugby game when you don't have your players on the field. One is tough. Two is really tough. Three is a nightmare. So very, very difficult for the Cheetahs. But that being said, their loose trio, Ronnie, is on fire for the Cheetahs. Ionax conceded 15 turnovers and Jandre Rudolph at the forefront of that. He really was a machine. Yeah, Nick. And then uh, we had another local derby, uh, local game this weekend for us South Africans. Oshbees came over to Johannesburg and trying to take on the Lions. And uh, the Lions were in the lead. I mean, you can't actually exactly say they had a great game, but they did. They did have the lead for the majority of the game. And then right at the end, I don't know what happened. They just seemed to take their foot off the off the gas completely and apply the brakes as well. And the Oshbees scored, I think it was three tries in the last 10 minutes. A little That's bit shocking. Unbelievable. You know, you talk about 2,000 people in attendance. You know, you know what? how big is Ellis Park? Ellis Park takes 40,000, 50,000 people. I think it's 60,000. Uh, 60,000 people. So, you know, 2,000 people went there to watch the Lions really, really stuck it up in the last 10 minutes. It's a little bit disappointing for anyone that's a Lions supporter and for South Africans as well. But that turnout of a crowd is also shocking, hey, Ronnie? And we've spoken a lot about Ellis Park and what goes on there and why it's not great to go watch games there. But... You know, it's starting to show through fan attendance as well. If you're getting such a low turnout, at some point, it's not going to be viable to stay in that stadium anymore because bums on seats is what earns the union money. I don't think it's been viable for a very long time. I'm guessing we also like to bring this topic up because you get a lot of heat on the socials. People the, the, the old yeah, this box. But honestly, people, sorry. And, and, and we're going to admit that we were wrong on a number of things in the past. I mean, we were almost wrong about Newland Stadium. And moving over to Greenpoint, but having gone to Greenpoint, you know, you can't actually fault them for moving over the stadium to such a world-class facility. And Ellis Park, I'm sorry to say, it's got, there's nothing world-class about other than its history. Yeah, I actually am curious, Ronnie, would you say that Greenpoint beats the Stade de France? Of course, it's in South Africa. (laughs) But I actually do. I think it holds up against Stade de France. It really is a quality facility. And like you say, the move was worked out for the Stormers now. It really has. Talking about Stormers moves, though, did you see Kate Volhurt on the Lions bench making his debut in Joburg? Yeah, is it? Yeah, I, I was surprised. I missed that one. I didn't see that he left the Stormers. He's our, he's our friend Shane's wonder kid. But, yeah, uh, well. I don't know so much. I know I know. since since Shane brought him up a couple of years ago, he's the next best thing. And we've been keeping a keen eye on him. 
Yeah, I don't think he's impressed me much. Yeah, but we can't fault chain too much yet. His first bold call like that was Damien Dialendez. He he can still hang on that thread for the two-time World Cup winner, eh? Hey? Yeah, sure. We only gave Damien Delende grief because we wanted to test whether Shane knew anything. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. One positive, though, from the Lions, though, Marius Lowe, ex-captain or ex-Sharks player, playing his trade now for the Lions. Good to see him cross the trial line twice. Yeah, it's starting to see all the Sharks players flourishing away from the Sharks is a little bit disappointing, hey, Ronnie? Then Sanele Nohava. Yeah, there's another one, another example, and that's just ones that have shifted to Joburg. We then take a look, Perpignan getting a 23-32 to 32 point loss against the Falcons. They were at home, they weren't able to pull up a win there, but disappointing for them. Then Ronnie, the Dragons versus the Sharks. Now, on paper, this looks like a pretty good score. 29 points to the Sharks, 9 points to the Dragons, and away win for the boys. Um, you know, great, we topped the log, which is excellent, means we get home ground advantage for the playoff stages. But in the same time, we played the Dragons in November last in the URC, and there we beat them 64 points. 69 points to 14. So we dropped a good number of points down in what we were scoring here. Kubran Krobler, though, man of the match, pretty good performance. Low-fault boy? He's a low-fault boy. Yeah, from Skakuza, from Kruger. Yeah, look, I, I have to agree. I obviously got this one wrong. I messaged you on WhatsApp. I said, what, what to do with this pick? And I, shockingly, I backed the Dragons. Sorry. But the Sharks have obviously done a lot better in the Challenge Cup than they have in the URC. So, you know, well done to them for, you know, getting the win in the first place. So they've got their, they got their points from that. But you're right. I also feel like, you know, the Sharks are not playing 80-minute rugby or 85-minute rugby. They are playing, you know, 50-minute rugby, which is, which is very disappointing. I feel like a number of years ago, maybe a year, two, three, four years ago, the Sharks were playing much longer spells. You know, they were dominant or... They had energy for a lot longer in the, in, in the game. It just it doesn't seem to, to be working out there in Durban. Yeah, I think the Sharks still having problems at 10. Kerwin Bosch only managing to slot two of his kicks in this game. Five tries scored, though, secured them the bonus point. And like we said, top of the log. So the Sharks will be having a home last 16 game coming up in April. Running so what do you back- think of the rumours? What do you think of the rumours of Jordan? Not the rumours, of Jordan Hendricks are coming to fly straight in Durban. To be honest, I'd be happy with that. We need something. I was very excited when Sia Masuku moved down there, but he hasn't had an inch of game time yet. So I don't know. We need to sort out the problems at 10. Okay. I hear you. So, Ronnie, then we take jump over to the Champions Cup. Now, this is one where it's pretty tight between you and me, so you can't brag too much about it. I'm in 131st place. You're in 124th. Only five spots separating us, Ronnie. you got to do your maths again there, son. Seven spots. <laughs> Seven spots, you idiot. <laughs> I'm a lawyer for a reason, but we don't do math. You no, know, can only imagine how, how you've wronged your clients out of a lot of money, eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Ronnie, first game up there was Connor getting a 27 to 10 point win over Bristol Bears. Connick ending an eight-game losing streak there. And again, this brings me to the question, why did everyone think the Bears were going to beat the Bulls last weekend? Like, it's, yeah, it's not a this, so. <laughs> Yeah, Glasgow Warriors, they got a comprehensive victory at home against Toulon, 29 points to five. Good victory for them, eh? Do you reckon, or do you think it's just, you know, I've said this before, do you, it's just, just the top 14 teams, or Toulon in this case, prioritizing the top 14 over the Champions Cup? Because this is... A lot of the French teams, bar maybe Bordeaux, 
just don't want to compete or don't do well in the Champions Cup at all. It's true, but maybe we see them turn the focus on there once they get into the playoff stages now. You know, their season is quite long as well. The French top 14 was already going on whilst the World Cup was going on. So it's a long, long league that they're involved in and managing the players will be quite crucial. Yeah, so then the next game, and we've spoken about Bordeaux briefly, Bulls beating Bordeaux in the high felt by only six points. So 46-40 was the final score. You know, if you look at that, you know, the defensive defense coaches would probably want to hide their faces because it's, it's not good showing two high-scoring results. But the Bulls still managed to win and, yeah, through to the top 16. So pause for the cause there quickly. You said only by six points, meaning it's a small amount. That's kind of the difference on our Super Brew. Just a reminder on it, only seven points. Sorry, you completely broke up. I didn't hear anything you said there. <laughs> but yeah, a couple of South Africans getting carded as well. And I say a couple being two. So Steenkamp going off for the Bulls and also Karlu Saadi, if anybody remembers him, going off for uh, uh, the opposition there. Bulls right. playing traditional Bulls rugby. Props are just ridiculous. Nobody needs them. I don't know why we have them in rugby. But anyways, Bulls playing traditional Bulls rugby, going for posts. Well done to them. And, you know, it seems like it paid off at the end there. Yeah, I think David Creel also having a massive game. Hey, he got 12 carries for 72 meters. That's a top in the, the Champions Cup for the weekend with three offloads and three defenders beaten. So some good performances from the Bulls there as they blend their spring box in. I mean, we saw Vili coming back into the fray at fullback, but still resting Kirkley and Kanan. So the Bulls seeming to get it right at the moment. Ronnie, the big one of the weekend as well. Harlequins 47-19 Ulster. Seven tries to three is quite telling. I mean, the score on one hand is, is fairly big. But when you realize they were outscored by more than double the number of tries, Ulster struggling defensively and huge shift from Andre the Giant. He scored the opening try. So that was a really lucky game. I enjoyed it quite a bit. But I mean, if you go into the sheds, it's half time and you're 21 points to seven down. It's a tough ask to lift your heads up, come out the second half. And Harlequins went on to score 20 more in that. The Ulsterman only 12. So both halves won by the Harlequins. And Ronnie, how bloody good is Tyron Green looking? Tyron Green, when, when, when he scored that amazing try a couple of weeks ago, months ago, you pointed it out to me. I said, oh, you know, that just seems like a bit of a flick. But you're absolutely right. Week in, week out, he seems to be, you know, knocking on the Springboks door, right? So people should be taking note of him because he's playing exceptionally well uh, over in the, at the Harlequins. He is. And Ronnie, speaking of people that are playing exceptionally well, Sio Khaleesi scoring his first try this weekend for Racing 92 and notching up a try assist. So Racing winning that one 48 points to 26 against Cardiff. Sia's going well there in France, eh, Ronnie? Sia could steal an old lady's handbag and you would still say, and you would still sing his praise. Sia could do pretty much anything and you'll still say he had a great game, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Captain, my captain. Captain, my captain. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Look, Sia, well done. And uh, yeah, playing straight with Trevor and Yocani, and I'm a big fan of all Trev, so good to see both of them uh, that time. Yeah, Ronnie, then we had Leicester Tigers playing host to Leinster. I think we all know in these competitions before the playoff stages that Leinster is the horse to back. Uh, Leicester going down at home 10 points to 27, and an absolutely insane shift in the loose from Caelan Doris. He scored their fourth try, securing their bonus point making sure Leinster topped the log. So that was also an impressive game to watch. Pollard and Jasper Visa featuring for Leicester Tigers. 
yeah, it was good to see those two two play. Uh, specifically Leinster, though. Absolutely, absolutely. Ronnie, then we go over to Stade Francais losing at home 20 points to 24. That was a very close game. And we're going to talk a little bit just now because some absolute chaos descended here. But first up, big shout out to Marnie. 50th cap for him up for the Stormers. Great to see that he's achieved that. And I think he's one of their most vital players. I'm a little bit shocked that he's already played 50 over there, considering he was at the Bulls not that long ago and the Sharks in between. Yeah, that's very, very true. So well done, Marnie. Shout out to you there. And then Dion Branas man of the match. I think he has Fari to is a jolly good player, though. Yeah, absolutely. I love I love him. But I have to also admit that I've never I never actually noticed him fall, you know, right up until Rusty brought him back out of the mix, right? And well, he came over to Stormers to have his sort of last season there before retirement. And he's just done so exceptionally well since then. Yep, he has. He's really, really lacquer to watch and also offering some great leadership to that Stormers team at the moment. That win seeing Stormers qualify for the last 16, topping their pool means they also get a home playoff game. And they will be hosting La Rochelle in Cape Town in April. That'll be a really, really good game. Also, though, shockingly, this win for the Stormers sees Stade Francais knocked out, and they were so poor this season that they won't even get transferred to the EPCR to play in the playoff stages there. So, yeah, not not easy to see for the Stade Francais fans. The Stormers now having a bit of a break, though, Ronnie. They've got about four weeks off until they play the Sharks in the URC again on the 17th Feb, so I'm sure they're going to use this chance to raise some of their box. But now, now is where we need to talk about it, because... We saw two props getting cards in the Bulls game. And now we come to this game and Stade Francais, two props get yellow carded for scrumming illegalities taken off the field. So they reduced down to 12 or 13, sorry. Then because it's uncontested scrums, they have to bring someone on in the pack. Someone has to go out of the backs. So they're supposed to have 12 players on the field. They have 13. Scrum happens, two, three minutes of play gone, then the ref realizes Oops, there's too many players on the field. What chaos was that that we witnessed, hey, Ronald? It's chaos, sure, but I, I, it's very confusing, right? It is extremely confusing about that entire setup there, especially because you've got to take an egg. Because it goes to uncontested scrums, you know, because you're no longer scrumming, so the advantage is no longer there. You have to take an additional play off the field. You know, the player hasn't been carded or anything, and now you're taking... You know, a player off. It gets it gets very confusing. So even I looked at that situation. I thought I have no idea what's going on here. Yeah, I just couldn't do the math at all. Yeah, a lot of people on the socials calling out the match officials for not sorting that out. And I don't know if you heard how vocal Macalou was for Stade Francais, shouting at the ref that it's his job to manage the numbers, not the teams. And I don't quite agree with that. Your team should know how many players you can have on the field and make sure. But yes, I think responsibility falling a little bit on both sides, eh, Ronnie? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Also, great to see Damien Willemser getting some game time at 12, keeping that utility skill level alive. And at this point, I think he plays well no matter where you put him on the pitch. Just get the ball to him. He's got those quick feet and he's going to make some meters. I, for one, prefer Willemser at 12. I, I, I've, always, I've always enjoyed that. He's not big and physical like some other 12s, but he still gets a job done at 12. He's difficult to tackle. And yeah, like he enjoys his stepping, so he'll step from anywhere on the field. I, I, again, I'd love to see him at 12. Yeah, no, I also enjoy watching him there, linking nicely with Marnie. Ronnie, Munster going down at home, 23 points to 26 against Northampton Saints. I think 
Peter O'Mahony was not happy in this game. That guy's got quite a voice on him as well. Come from behind win with 14 men for Northampton Saints. They got a red card in the 39th minute and still managed to pull mm. it through. So what you're saying is the All Blacks had no excuse. They could have won it for 14 players in the final as well. Absolutely. And if you heard what Brady Ritalik said today, he admitted it. He said they trained with 14 men after we beat them at Twitter. Oh, said yeah, they trained with Absolutely. Men. And, and we've, we've seen this. When we have to talk about the glory days of the Sharks when they, when they played Super Rugby and they were down to 13 men and they beat the Chiefs away from home. You know, that, that just goes to show sometimes when players go off the field, the team just steps it up. There's really no excuse. Yeah, no, absolutely, Ronnie. So just a shout out, I think, to number 10, Finn Smith. He scored 16 points in this fixture. He was really, really playing well, putting his hand up a little bit ahead of the Six Nations as well. Then Saracens back to winning ways with a 39 points to 24 win over Leon. Itoje scoring two tries to help his side qualify for the playoffs. Good that we found putting out a shift again. How much do you hate the fact that the Saracens won? Yeah, quite a lot. I don't know. Saracens feel like the most English of the English teams. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, not, not a fan, not a fan. All right, so the next game on the courts, Sale, La Rochelle. Yeah. So uh, Rochelle coming away with the win there, 37-24, to 24, quite a convincing win. Now, this is an important game because both teams were playing for a spot in the playoff stages for the Champions Cup, and... Both teams, whoever won would have gone through, the other would have lost. Sale, not qualifying for the cha- for the Champions Cup, but definitely qualifying for the Challenge Cup. So we'll be okay. seeing them potentially as, as Sharks and, and Lions and Cheetahs in the Challenge Cup could potentially be a team that we that we face. And we'll talk about closer to April, we'll talk about the structure of this tournament. And yeah, how like, plays like Ronnie is saying there, like, sorry, like Ronnie is saying there, relating to what we spoke about earlier with Stade France not making the Challenge Cup, at least Sale here scored enough to then go across to the next competition. Yeah, so good to see in this game, Dylan Lays, right? So I'm a big fan of Dylan Lays ever since he did that around the back pass to uh, uh, to score that beautiful trial for the Stormers. And uh, he's obviously doing exceptionally well and has done for a number of years with La Rochelle. And then I saw see you put this guy in the notes. Uh, I think uh, everybody knows that I, I am a big fan of Augustine Creevy, but he can on the bench. Scored a try, and then after the game, he gave me a call and said, uh, "Yeah, he scored that try in my name." There we go. Hey, in the name of Ronnie. Well, bloody good try it was. We're big fans of Gus on this show as well, and Ronnie also. Levani Bortia. I mean, that guy is an absolute menace. I saw that you made a social media post with the Champions Cup the past weekend. I think you chose Bortia as your big defensive player. Yeah, I did. Levani Bortia is. A machine. He's an absolute machine. So love watching him play as well. Ronnie, we then jump over to Toulouse at home. They didn't play Toulouse, they played to win. And when they did with a 31 <laughs> points to 19 win over Bath. Bath are much improved this year. Hey, Johan van Kran moving over there. You've got Finn Russell now at 10. Much better side doing much better than they did last year because they really struggled in the Prem last year. Yeah, they weren't able to, to run anything, let alone a Bath. So... <laughs> that was a good one I'll, I'll give you that was a good one ronald then no but you're right Bath definitely much improved last year they're scraping the bottom of the barrel and he's uh, not doing that again this year yeah no that's for sure ronnie then we go over to bayon getting a 40 points to 17 win over exeter chiefs i'm going to chat too much on this game other than around the yellow card to Dafford jenkins i'm not sure did you see that card ronnie no i didn't what happened 
So it was a shoulder to the head, a clear shoulder to the head. There's no debating that. But I think this is the perfect illustration of the rules going too far. There's no point lower that the tackler, Duffer Jenkins, could have crouched in that situation. The other player was falling. It's terrible. It's contact to the head. But that is the ultimate definition of a rugby incident. You know, there was nothing the tackler did wrong there. There was nothing he could have done to get out the way. And the card spoiling the contest a little bit. Yeah, there's a lot of that in rugby. You often find that when a, a player falls on the wrong side of the ruck and, you know, players ruck over him and he's physically stuck where he is and he cannot roll away, he still gets penalized. So look, that's that's the law of the game. That often happens. I think carding a player and sending him off the field is not, not perhaps an appropriate sanction. But there are a lot of instances where players get carded, you know, for things that are completely out of their control. Um, so, yeah, maybe a yellow card. I'll have a look at that with socials. I'm sure you'll post it to the punted page. But, yeah, maybe a card. Oaks getting a little bit willy-nilly with what they, what they are dishing out. Yeah, well, talking about what was dished out this weekend, Ronnie, there was a total of 20 yellow cards and three red cards. That is a lot of carding done in this game. And four of those cards going to front rowers. So the front row boys misbehaving a little bit this weekend. Yeah, it's shocking to see that many cards, though. Nick, I couldn't agree more. And it's actually something I thought about before I'd seen, you know, what it was that we potentially would discuss in this, this podcast. I'm seeing a lot of cards. And it's like teams are not adapting to the change of rules. Maybe the rules, the change of laws are outpacing, you know, what players, you know, teams can keep up with, you know, in training and whatnot. We're seeing a lot of instances of cards and hopefully that goes away over time. Although it does add a bit of a strategic element if you're able to capitalize on your opposition's card. Yeah, it's something I think rugby at times now is being over-officiated. So it's something World Rugby needs to look at and the tournaments need to look at because Ultimately, your paying fans want to see 15 versus 15 on the field as far as is possible with player safety in mind. Ronnie, player safety is one thing, but let's just take a quick second to send a huge shout out to Drickus Stillnox Duplessis. He doesn't care a damn for safety, man. Did you see what he looked like after that fight? One of those fights must be flawed. Yeah, he looked horrendous. Genuinely, he looked like he'd been beat up proper, but all that for getting away, coming away with the win. Well done for him for also wearing a nice green gold suit. Yeah, very cool. And two posts I saw on social media that really had me in stitches about this UFC was one: Drickus Duplessis is now number one in the world, but number eight in Boxburg. <laughs> <laughs> that was yeah, a lack one. one. And the second one, I'm going to clean it up a little bit, but was now Sean Strickland knows what it feels like to be PK'd by an Afrikaans guy. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I absolutely agree. Did you see that one video where they asked a couple of players at the cricket which rugby team they thought would be able to to beat Drickus in a fight? Yeah, I did see that. And who who do you you think think that beat him? Well, actually, unfortunately, I think Drickus is just trying to way too hard to be able to be beaten. But if I had to give it to someone, like that has to be him. But it's a bit of he's the only one that can come away. You know, maybe make it through a couple of rounds. Yo, let's not forget that Malcolm Marx also grew up in Joburg South, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, the, he's number six in Boxburg. Yeah, four ways, four ways fight club there at Billy the Bums. <laughs> yeah, Ronnie. Well, also sad news, Yaku Paper retiring, one of South Africa's most experienced refs coming in at third place there. 79 tests officiated. Unfortunately, an Achilles eel 
an Achilles heel injury <laughs> sustained during the World Cup quarterfinals. You know, he hasn't managed to recover from that. He ruled himself out of the Six Nations. And yeah, now he is out of officiating for good. Sad to see him go. Absolutely. People hate him though. People around the world genuinely dislike him as, as, as a referee. I've always had a, I've always been quite enjoyed it. It's probably because I'm a bit partial to the significance. Yeah, I, I definitely think Yaku's going to be missed. Then, Ronnie, we spoke a little bit about Butter being off to the Bulls, but the Sharks coming out strong and saying absolutely no way. He's signed there till 2025, and if the Bulls want him, they're going to have to pay a massive fee to get him out of his contract. Something everyone knows we don't really talk about on the show. If it doesn't happen on the field, you won't find it on here. But just to say, Alton Yankees has been dished out a four-year ban. I believe he is following the appeal process. But yeah, guys, what a player does individually is not what it means for a team. Let's just put that in the past and focus on the good that the Springboks have brought forward. Ronnie, we spoke about the Black Lions. Richard Cockrell appointed Georgia head coach. He was previously the England's forward coach. Good to see them getting some quality in the coaching box, eh? Yeah, I wouldn't mind to see a couple of South Africans there potentially, you know, Hanukkah Mayo, where's P. Divi? You know, send P. Divi over there. <laughs> Yo, can you imagine sending P. Divi to Georgia? <laughs> there would definitely be a language barrier there. <laughs> well, maybe that'll be better for him. The media won't understand what he's going on about. <laughs> <laughs> then probably the biggest news that came out this week, shock dropped on Warren Gatlin just ahead of his Welsh squad announcement. Louis Rees-Samet quitting rugby with immediate effect, departing Gloucester, departing Wales, and he is off to the NFL. Facing the money instead of the dream. So the crazy thing is I've done some reading up on this and he's actually not qualified for any NFL team. He's going into like a player pool where he has to perform in order to get scouted into the NFL. So big, big risk that he's taking. He is young. I mean, he can always come back. Previous lion. But yeah, what a big call from the youngster. Look, it's one of the biggest competitions in the world, the NFL, right? And there's some big money that gets thrown around there. So if that's what he wants to do, he wants to play eight second, you know, what's that? Eight, eight second plays and then go sit on the bench again. Oh, good for him. But just seems like a bit of a rush decision because he was only approached on Sunday by a scout. And then by Tuesday, he'd quit Gloucester, he'd quit Wales, and he was off to go and, and try and make it into the NFL. So quite a surprise for as me. Far as as far as I understand, his father played football and was involved. Yes, in correct. I think there's, yeah, there all there we go. So he's got a bit of a legacy, a connection. Ronnie, lastly, we have a lot of new captains turning out in the Six Nations now. So obviously, Faz has ruled himself out for England for the time being. So Jamie George being appointed there by Steve Borthwick. I think he'll do a good job up front. You know, the hookers, best position on the field, smartest oaks. Jamie backing you all the way, my boy. Peter Mahoney named Irish captain. So that's also a big voice in the team. I think they went for someone that likes speaking to the ref as much as Johnny Sexton did. They're keeping up <laughs> that trend. <laughs> oh, it's a good one. And then lastly, France, they need a new captain because Anton Dupont is doing a stint in sevens for the Olympics. And Aldrit favoured over Charles Olivan. So Aldrit will be captaining France into the Six Nations this year. I think all pretty strong. Not a bad choice. Today. No, absolutely. I agree. Jamie George. Absolutely. O'Mahony, as well as Gregory Aldrich, all of them are absolutely fantastic rugby players and they're experienced and leaders in them by default. Yeah, it's going to be great to see the Six Nations getting underway. I'm missing the international rugby. 
Then another big thing we need to talk about, Ronnie, is Joe Schmidt announced as Wallaby's coach. Why has he only been given a two-year contract? Now, I read something interesting from our mate Lackey over at Scrum Bags earlier, but I'm first keen to hear what your view is on this. Look, for me, I think it's quite simple. Australia have have really sucked for a long time, though, and they are reluctant to enter into big agreements now, especially sure that Jones was quite expensive for them. And look, I think that they're saying, look, two years, if you can prove it two years, then we can win a couple of games and we're more than happy to extend it for another four-year cycle. So on the one hand, they definitely run the risk here of Joe Schmidt pulling the team together, but not loving the environment and then disappearing. And they've got two years left to a home World Cup and having to look for a new coach. That's the risk. On the same, as you've pointed out, they're, they're protecting their risk because what if he doesn't perform for them? But Lackey had an interesting thought on this and he reckons that Larkham is going to be appointed as an assistant coach as well as some of the other Australian guys and Joe Schmidt is sort of appointed to be the coach of coaches nurse the coaching up for two years and then depart and leave an Aussie in charge ahead of the World Cup if that is the case I think that might be a pretty smart move from the Wallabies that'll be a masterstroke so well done to them yeah if that's what they're doing i think it really really will be good for the australians it'll be good to see because we really all do and like joe said want a competitive wallaby side look it's not just about having coaching the wallabies now and fixing them but they definitely they've got some big problems in, in australia with the other sporting codes stealing players so they've really got to build you know change their structures in a little way yep then, Ronnie, we've got the May Fokchorn moment of the week. So last week, I put it out to a vote for all the listeners. They could vote for Alfie Barbary's Chanda. They could vote for Peter Stefan as Grubber or Finn and his smashing tackle on Cameron Wokey. And I come back now to tell you it was a three-way tie, each one getting a 33% of the vote and no one really winning it. I'm going to stick with Finn from last week. I really love that tackle on Wokey. And I'm going to stick with that theme because... We had two Springboks go at it a little bit this weekend in the Harlequins Ulster game with Andre the Giant putting a pretty big hit on Kitsy right on the try line as well. Great to see that from two Springboks going hard in Europe. Absolutely. And look, there's always going to be somebody that can smash literally anybody else's Andre Estes. That guy is a machine tackler. Yeah, an absolute monster. Well, guys, that's it for today's episode. Thanks for joining for the banter and staying for the chat. My fuck job, that was luck. Make sure you smash that like button and subscribe on your preferred listening platform so you won't miss a moment of the madness. Catch you back here next Wednesday.